The fury of the virus illustrates the folly of war. It is time to put armed conflict on lockdown and focus together on the true fight of our lives. Dear listener, we find ourselves amidst a true global crisis. Our interconnectivity is more apparent than ever. Nothing seems what it once was. Now is the time to radically realize a world which holds violence and conflict and stops excluding women and youth. As Chris continues to breathe, peace builders worldwide continue to work on a more peaceful world for tomorrow. This season is all about the peace builders making this needed change possible. Listen to their inspiring stories and reimagine this new reality with us. Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast, brought to you by GPAC, UNOI Peace Builders, CSPPS, and Pass Peace. Welcome to today's episode of the Peace Corner podcast. Today, I am delighted to welcome back special guest Patrick Boyer, who, as well as being the GPAC Regional Liaison Officer for Eastern and Central Africa, is the Program Coordinator at the Centre for Conflict Resolution, CECOR. So welcome back, Patrick. It is always so great to have such a familiar face back on the podcast. Today, we'll be diving into the topic of the obstacles to peace building in Uganda during COVID-19 and the solutions that have been found to overcome these. Since your last interview, the world has faced the COVID-19 pandemic. In light of these events, how have you personally been affected by this situation and your efforts towards building peace? The pandemic of COVID-19 has had a big impact on the, on the situation in which we are in. And this one also affects me personally. We have a number of uh, negative uh, impacts that, is going, that are going on. For example, the pandemic has directly disrupted peace building efforts. This means that we are not able to intervene as we had planned. Many of our projects have been halted and many of our activities cannot be able to go on. Unfortunately, this one leads to makes the enemy, which is the violence in this case, to thrive because where would have uh, reached and intervened, it means we are not able to physically reach there. Uh, in many cases, we are seeing so many cases of uh, domestic violence skyrocketing because of the COVID-19. Issues to do with hate speech also has tried to uh, also reimagine. And then we have a big issue that we are facing is related to enforcement of the lockdown. It has come with curfews. Uh, for example, in Uganda, you're not uh, allowed to move beyond uh, 7 p.m. And then this one has a, a lot of human rights implications because there's a lot of militaristic approach in enforcing the lockdown. Uh, we have seen situations where pregnant women are not able to access uh, health centers. They end up delivering for, uh, at home. We've seen the elderly. Um, being uh, being arrested and uh, thrown on police pickups and of course taken to prison because they are not able to walk as fast as other people to reach home before before the curfew. And uh, we ha- we have seen a lot of youth whose uh, livelihood and women whose livelihood have been uh, curtailed because of the the lockdown, especially those who used to depend on. Uh, in the former sector, buying and selling of, of goods. It's, it's, the impact is a lot, and we are still feeling it. Yeah, it's really uh, terrible to hear 
about the increasing rise of issues such as domestic violence and the reduction of human rights through restrictions and implications of that. Whilst there are also lots of barriers, one of the really positive things that uh, CCOR, the organisation I mentioned earlier that you are the programme coordinator for, has managed to achieve uh, an SDG 16 plus review report during the times of uh, COVID-19. Can you tell us a bit about why you chose to focus on this review and why it is so important to Uganda? Yes, uh, we've just uh, conducted a study on a uh, review of SDG 16. We focused on SDG 16 plus in Uganda uh, to look at uh, the progress that the country has done, and especially in the area of uh, peace building and related uh, indicators. Uh, why we conducted this uh, uh, study is because this is an opportune, opportune moment for us and uh, is also an opportune moment for such a study. Uganda is uh, among the countries undergoing the voluntary uh, national review 2020, and it's uh, going to uh, present its report. We, we wanted to do it alongside the government uh, kind of timeline of presenting the, uh, the report, so, such that the findings of the study are able to inform us as Center for Conflict Resolution, but also feed into the government uh, report because it enriches uh, the government report, uh, especially in areas where we felt we need more emphasis. Government, of course, does consultation, but uh, sometimes is not uh, participatory enough to include especially communities on the ground to, uh, to be able to pick the real life uh, stories and changes that are going on on the on the ground. So our study was to be able to complement uh, government efforts, and then uh, of course the findings we, uh, will also help us even after the the report is submitted, after the high level political uh, forum, to be able to engage uh, government and other actors to see a way forward on how to implement the recommendations that have uh, come out in this particular study, and then the recommendations that will have come out of the official government VNR report. And then also, as Uganda, we always have a CSO rejoinder, um, which is all led by the civil society. So we'll be looking at all these uh, three reports and be able to use this reports to inform us on the next steps forward to be able to accelerate the progress uh, towards uh, SDG 16 plus. And they will, it is also to inform our next uh, interventions. We are planning to step up SDG localization and we wanted to, to, to be able to capture stories, the lo what we call the local voices, on how localization should be done in a practice the how part of localization. As you know, we always talk of localization as something desirable, something good, something something fancy to do, but many times we don't know how exactly to do it. So we did this research and they came up with a model using one of the districts, which is called the Kabong district, to pick out the local voice on, on how exactly implementation uh, should be done. And then it is also going to inform us in the engagements and dialogues which we are planning to do after the, uh, the high-level political forum. 
Thank you for sharing that with us, Patrick. It's great to hear that the stories from the ground of real people are being used to complement the government report and that the ongoing dialogues after are planned as part of this. So thank you. It's really great to hear that. And uh, also, uh, as well as doing an SDG 16 plus review, you decided to include uh, SDG 2 on uh, ending hunger, SDG 5 on gender equality and SDG 17 on partnership for the goals. Can you uh, tell us a bit about why you decided to do this? Yeah, we decided to look at SDG 16 plus, not just SDG 16. Uh, we know SDG 16 focuses on peace building, but then uh, to realize peace, you cannot just uh, have SDG 16 in isolation. So we did this because of the intersectionality, uh, the linkage and linkages between uh, SDG 16, which focuses on peace, and issues like hunger and gender equality and gender equity that directly relates to issues of peace. Well, we know that elements like hunger and gender violence are basics uh, that we cannot divorce from peace. Uh, for example, you cannot claim to be at peace when people cannot afford our food. And we realized this uh, more practically when we were doing this study in places like Kabong in Karamoja region, which is in northeastern Uganda. And this is a hunger-stricken region because in such places, people are more concerned about uh, whether they will have a meal on the table uh, the next day or even uh, today or even a day before. And we can also not claim to have, uh, to have peace in a situation where you're having, say, cases of domestic violence because we are seeing a very high prevalence of domestic violence. Uh, so we looked at this as basics of life, which we have to add to SDG 16 to be able to have meaningful uh, peace. And we also included SDG 16, uh, 17, I mean, which is on partnership, between, because this is a very key element in the realization and the implementation of uh, SDGs. We did all this because of the uh, this intersectionality. Um, and this uh, demonstrates the essence of not looking at SDG 16 in isolation, but broadly looking at SDG 16, because we are saying we cannot have SDG 16 alone. Peace means more than just SDG 16. So that's why we brought in other related indicators. I really like the way you talked about uh, meaningful peace and making sure that peace is uh, in, in all aspects. And that's why you included uh, the other SDG goals. Um, and this brings us on to our next uh, question about the review report. Um, how did uh, COVID-19 impact your research and what barriers did you have to overcome uh, when carrying this out? You're right. Uh, COVID-19 had a an impact on our study uh, because we, did, we conducted this study in May. The field study was in May 2020. And this is uh, at a time when we had a lockdown in, in Uganda. So it means, for example, that we could not carry out our focus group discussions because we had envisaged to, uh, to do focus group discussions. We could not. 
uh, because of the limitations around uh, public gatherings. So we had instead to increase the number of key informants and survey respondents just to ensure that we do not compromise the, the quality, so to ensure that we still have uh, reach out to a bigger, uh, bigger numbers as big as possible. We also had to, to change some of the methods of data collection. For example, we had to do a number of interviews through phone calls and emails. Uh, even the validation was done on online. Now, when you're doing uh, interviews on, on phone and on emails, of course, you miss the physical touch because when you're doing interviews there, you also want to observe the, the non-spoken words, the, non, the non-verbal, which also have an implication but we could not uh, do that. And also, when you look at the findings, uh, at this moment of COVID-19, we realized that some of the conflict issues and cases of violence violence had increased to outlier levels. Issues to do with the cases of domestic violence had really skyrocketed uh, during this uh, period of lockdown. So what we had to do is to analyze for a, a longer period of uh, at least 12 months and not just looking at the month in which we were conducting the, uh, the research uh, or the period in which uh, COVID-19 was so prevalent in, the, uh, in Uganda. So also, of course, we had to now identify, identify research assistants uh, who who were able to to reach out to a number of uh, communities at the rural level because we were not able sometimes to reach out to the communities uh, where we would have loved to, to reach. Yeah, but we identified such good research assistants, uh, reputable ones. We trained them, we briefed them, and they did a good work. And I'm happy that the research came out well and the findings uh well represented. I'm really uh, pleased for you and the efforts of uh, CCOR and everyone who was involved in the report. And it's so great to hear that even though the research was carried out in May during the middle of lockdown, that you still managed to to gather all of this information. So that was really great. And uh, finally, uh, let's speak about the positive uh, parts of this report. Can you please um, give us some key findings? that have come out of this review? Yeah, we had a number of interesting findings, very enriching findings. Uh, From the positive side, we realized that uh, Uganda has a a very good enabling legal and policy framework towards uh, the realization of SDGs and SDG 16 in particular. Uh, It has uh, put in place a very good comprehensive coordination framework and the SDG secretariat that is aimed at coordinating efforts. But our biggest challenge was is in ensuring that the, uh, the frameworks, the policy framework and the coordination frameworks are translating into meaningful change in the lives of people on the ground, because that is where our biggest uh, focus is. So we realized that uh, the implementation has not has been generally weak, especially at the local level. Much as we have good policies, um, enabling frameworks, uh, we realize that there is not meaningful change yet on the on the ground. 
We also realize that there is a generally low awareness on SDG. SDGs generally, and of course in particular SDG 16 plus, in places like Kabong district and other districts like Yombe, like Lira district, like Kasese district, like Mitiana district, we realize that roughly on 80% of community members have no idea about what SDGs are. And this one, of course, limits their participation because if you don't know about any, uh, something, then it means you cannot actively participate in it. We also realize that uh, on a positive side, Uganda has been able to significantly contain insurgencies, that is mainly armed conflicts. It has been able to disarm communities and create macro-level stability, uh, which is good for peace and SDG 16+. plus. However, at local level, different forms of violence are still significantly hindering uh, SDGs uh, 16 plus progress, especially at community level. There are so many cases of uh, violence related to domestic violence, related to land conflicts, related to, to injustices, related to child abuse that are so uh, prevalent. And we realize that uh, land and domestic violence were being cited as the most prevalent types of conflict. Uh, of course, domestic violence was more fueled by COVID-19 with the lockdown and we saw breadwinners were no longer able to provide maybe as a result of the lockdown and that one caused more domestic violence. Issues to do with the land continued to escalate even after the government of Uganda had put uh, a stop on any transactions to do with land uh, with that bid to be able to manage the, the land conflict. Another key finding that we realized was the issue of traditional practices, negative traditional practices that have continued to undermine the participation of uh, marginalized groups, especially youth, women. So this one has a direct implication on uh, the realization of SDG 16+. Plus. And uh, something also that came out very strongly is that peace and conflict prevention issues are not uh, prioritized uh, by the government. One of the areas you can look at is the uh, official a voluntary national review key message report that was sent to the UN. It has very little reference to issues to do with the peace and, confl and conflict prevention. Now, what makes it worse is that uh, Uganda has adopted uh, a model which looks at key accelerators based on the relative return on investment. Now, the implication here is that peace and uh, conflict prevention issues are likely to continue receiving low attention because it's not easy to quantify issues of peace and conflict prevention in monetary terms. So the government and actors are likely to continue seeing peace as not a very big issue for prioritization because it brings in little money in terms of mon uh, in monetary terms. But we have to go beyond just looking at prioritization uh, based on um, relative return on investment and look at the basics because we know that peace is a bedrock of, for the realization of even all other SDGs. 
if we are to realize SDGs, we have to prioritize a peace and we should not leave SDG 16 behind. Another key issue finding that came up, we realized that COVID-19 will have a longer lasting impact on peace because on the ground we realized that majority of the, uh, the people at community level have lost, on their, lost out on their sources of livelihood. So we have women and youth who used to depend on informal businesses have been severely disrupted. Uh, they have a no source of income. They are not sure whether they will have it tomorrow. They are not sure whether they will have it the other day. So even when the, um, the pandemic stops, we are going to continue having um, a lot of impact, longer term impact of the, of the pandemic. And lastly, one of the key findings that we, we documented is the localization of SDG 16 as a fundamental need for attention. We realized that the global indicators, the government, the, the government policies at national level have not been translated into meaningful change on the ground. And one of the key aspects, one of the key models that we, are, we, we, we try to document is localization. So we realize that this is a very key strategy. If we are to have to realize SDG progress and have it accelerated at the local level, because this is a model that trickles down to the community level such that you're able to realize issues to do with active participation, you're able to realize inclusiveness, uh, you're able to realize a bottom-up approach in decision-making, and you're able to, 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 to obtain the voices from the ground. So these are some of the key, uh, key findings, but of course there are many more in uh, our report. Thank you for sharing those with us, Patrick. And it's really... Good to hear that everything's really coming back to, to realising meaningful change on the ground and to keep uh, local involvement, which is really key in the peace-building field. And finally, uh, during a time of such difficulty, do you have a message of hope or an inspiring story of peace-building during COVID-19 to share with our listeners? Well, there are a number of um, positive elements that we have uh, we, 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 we have realized during the, the pandemic. One, it has uh, tried to teach us to be able to think outside the box uh, because during the pandemic, we're looking at what can we do? The COVID-19 is here with us, but life has to continue. Peace building has to continue. We have to, uh, to see a way forward on progressing with the peace efforts. For example, in our, our programs and our projects, we have adapted to online discussions and online platforms. Uh, you may realize that in many cases, like Africa, Uganda in particular, and especially at community level, our online platforms are not a, a popular a platforms, uh, but we have learned to adopt and they are working out. For example, we realize now that we are able to reach out to so many youth uh, using online platforms. Uh, during our validation study on, for SDG 16, we had the validation through webinar and we're able to bring on board several actors 
from up country, from at national level, from outside the country. Something that would not have been able to do if we were to bring uh, people fiscally for a validation meeting. And communities are, try, are starting to embrace uh, this technology because it's even cost effective. And we have to start now because I think that's where the world is going. So I think we are starting to learn uh, on a positive side. Uh, on the ground, we've also had instances where we are working with the, uh, with the Peace Champions in our project called uh, Peace Champions Project. That is trying to transform people who were earlier involved in armed violence from champions of violence to champions of peace uh, in places like Karamoja. They have been able to craft peace mes local messages to be able to contain armed, um, armed cattle wrestling in the area. For example, they have uh, used this period of COVID-19 to come up with messages and reach out to their peers to be able to, uh, to prevent cattle wrestling in the area. For example, they have a message which says, which is translated to say, raiding will bring COVID-19 in our, our region. Now, all, all, all youth who used to engage in raiding in Karamoja region have stopped. The communities have embraced this message because no one now wants anybody to get out of uh, Karamoja region to go out and uh, raid cattle because they know that anyone getting outside the region, going outside, for example, to Kenya and other parts of Uganda to steal cattle, which is called cattle wrestling, and bring coming back to their community uh, will bring COVID-19 with them. So this is a, a message that have been crafted by the peace champions and it has worked out well uh, during this uh, COVID-19 uh, time to be able to prevent cattle wrestling in the in the Karamoja region. And at a national level, we can call this a wake-up call uh, because all along we've always been engaging government to be able to put in place the basics of life, looking at focusing on human security, of course as opposed to state security. And I would say this is a wake-up call because even the government and other actors are starting to realize that, yes, we need to strengthen the structures on the ground, we need to put health systems on the ground, we need to be able to build the resilience of communities on the ground, we have to ensure active involvement of local communities if we are to have meaningful change, if we are to have meaningful uh, peace. So this COVID-19 has a or woken up the many actors to say, we need to put things right. We need to focus on human security. And this is a message that we have always put across. And I know from uh, when we come out of this pandemic, I think we are going to embrace human security, which is very vital as a bedrock for peace in this, uh, uh, in this country. Thank you for ending with such a strong message and it's really great to hear that the work of the Peace Champions is continuing and that the message to prevent castle rustling has been so effective amongst many other things you mentioned. So thank you so much once again for joining us Patrick, it's great to have had you back on the podcast and it's so lovely to hear the impact you're still helping to achieve in the peace building field even in the time of such a terrible pandemic. 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Peace Corner. We amplify the voices that pursue a sustainable peace, especially now in the face of a pandemic. Keep reimagining a better world with us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening.